Hey, we're Zoom. You probably know us for our meetings. Here's a few things you might not know. You can transform your home office into a personal collaboration studio with Zoom for Home. Need room for more? Scale up to 50,000 people with our video webinar platform. That's a lot of people. Want to send a quick chat or share a doc with a colleague? We've got you covered there too. Want to integrate video communications into your workflow? There are over a thousand apps in the Zoom app marketplace. If you need to make a phone call, Zoom Phone can connect you worldwide to more than 40 countries. And when you're ready to share your content with the world, engage new audiences via our virtual event platform today. Zoom helps you express ideas, connect to others, and build toward a future limited only by your imagination. Zoom for you. Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, the co-host teacher in social studies, Andy Lipson, and writing teacher Jessica. Uh, We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at uh, uh, jhomie89 on Twitter for Jess and Instagram for myself. Uh, sorry for the confusion there. Is that please subscribe, rate, rate to view. Turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. All right. Well, um, today we'll be discussing uh, Zoom's uh, privacy, its confidentiality rules, its its rules on anything that is spying on us. Andy, you've decided to choose this topic. Why? <laughs> yes. So um, this could... This could be an interesting episode, or it could be the most boring episode ever. But <laughs> um, so let me, I guess, what explain what happened. I mean, first off, Zoom sent me an email that said, "I mean, I probably should share my screen to do this, if you don't mind." Yeah, yeah. Um, let me go back to here. So, Zoom sent me an email, right? You know, they just, one of these Zoom is updating its terms of services and privacy statement. And, you know, obviously this is something I've gotten before. I, I, you're supposed to have, you got this when you, when I first got my Zoom account. And I was like, you know, here you go. You got to click on this terms of service. You got to click on this privacy statement. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and click on the privacy statement. Normally I just, I don't, in a sense, I want to talk about what we all go through when we deal with this stuff. Because what I think we're looking at here, and I don't, we're not going to in any way go in this exhaustive because there, there's just a few yeah. little corners I saw that were just like, oh, my God, well, this is what's happening. But this is every time with every one of these electric, every service we use, I feel like has this, these various traps and things in it um, where we're essentially buried in a bureaucracy. Um, and so I clicked on the privacy statement. And I think what made me want to talk about it was when I found this part, uh, and it was, it kind of struck me, and there's a lot of things in here, but this is just the part that is in the very opening section, what personal data do we receive? And there's other things in here I'll point to, but I just wanna point what made me wanna reach out to you, Jessica and, and Eduardo and say, let's look more into this. Um, was this part right here, usage information regarding meetings, webinars, messages, collaborative features, and the website. And it says, and maybe I, let me see if I can expand it. Think, think. Information about how people and their devices interact with Zoom products and services. So this is what they're, this is what they, this is the information, this is the personal data they are receiving. So they are receiving information about how people and their devices interact with Zoom products and services, such as when participant, participants join and leave a meeting, whether participants sent, sent messages and who they message with, performance data, mouse movements, clicks, keystrokes, or actions such as mute or unmute or video on off, edits to, tra edits to transcript texts where authorized by the account owner and other inputs that help Zoom to understand feature usage, improve product design, and it goes on from there. All right, and I'm not gonna, I don't wanna 
bore people. Well, we're going to bore people a lot with some of this stuff, but I don't want to bore you more. But that, when I read that and I was like, oh my God, you know, and when I saw that they reserve the right to not just take that in, but process it, organize it, structure it and disclose it. It was just like, my, it's just this world we live in. And I was like, you know what? I, I spend most of my time ignoring these things, partially because I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's in these agreements. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Maybe Jessica and Eduardo are going to be willing to take a little bit of look into these agreements. It's worse, it's worse than what we used to read because this is all hidden underneath legal stuff. And some of it we don't even understand. I don't understand. I'll, be say, I'll say that. But just that alone, when they were talking about we, we will – we are – processing and organizing and possibly disclosing, but we're collecting your mouse movements. Like that just disturbed me. And so I wanted to talk about what other things people saw in this, because there were a few other things I found that were both disturbing in terms of what they reveal and then disturbing in terms of how cloudy the language is. And this is our world now. If you're in the internet, if you're in the electronic world, this is the world we live in, in this legal trap to me and so i just wanted to explore i wanted to explore it together with you both um i am in by no way saying that i was able to read the whole thing in fact the privacy agreement was long it's the service agreement i tried to post it on google documents and it wouldn't even let me do that but i posted it on a microsoft word and the, the terms of service is 30 pages long there's stuff in there that's a little bad too but it's i just wanted to talk about what these things are and what you guys make of them and what, what do, what happens for you when you look at them? Um, and I think Eduardo, you're partially going like, why are you asking us to do this, Andy? Cause you kind of trusted me on it. And so I'm like, here we are uh, an episode where we talk about these stupid agreements that I suspect many of us just ignore. I'm certainly not going to recommend everybody goes read these things, but, but there is stuff there and they do reveal a kind of world that we've all agreed to without even knowing we've agreed to it. So you know, I don't know if that's, if, that, if that's an explanation, that's, that's my opening bit. Go you ahead. know what I was just thinking? I was thinking like basically what this document is. It's like a vaccine insert mm. for technology or like the black, fine print black box warning on pharmaceutical products, right? Like the <laughs> thing nobody really properly get at, gets asked like, oh, would you like this? Like, it's just, there's no informed consent in, like, any area of our life. Mm. Um, and it it is boring, but it's purposefully boring. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine print. Like, it's designed to have, like, 99.999% of people not read it and, like, click through it. Um, yeah, I actually did kind of probably what you did, Andy. For Canvas, the um, learning management system software um, that's owned by Instructure that's used at um, a lot of universities, I did a presentation in my department, I think it was in 2020, maybe early 2021, after we'd been forced online for like six months to a year. And I went through the Canvas privacy and like data safety agreement and I like highlighted like color coded coded it like broke it down and like gave this presentation kind of walking people through it and then like opening it up to discussion and just crazy because like you said everybody well not everybody but I, a lot of people agree like oh yeah it's horrible shit in there everybody in my presentation was like mm, yeah valid concern valid concern yeah actually our students are not data commodities you're so right like solidarity man and then it's like the next day everybody's back on zoom back on canvas like nothing happens and i feel like that's you know it's just like mm, don't want to look at it because if i actually took it to heart it would mean it would be a lot harder to use these and feel ethical especially it'd be really hard to use them like in contexts such as school and healthcare and you know where you're involving other people or certainly like children and stuff um but yeah those are kind of my broad thoughts before we get into like specific 
parts of the agreement? Uh, for me, I think there's always this tricky language about what is private, no? The 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 part where they say that it's to end-to-end -end encryption for your meetings. When enabled, Zoom's end-to-end -end encryption ensures that communication between all meeting participants using Zoom clients in a given meeting is encrypted using cryptographic keys on only to, to the devices of those participants. So I I take this to mean that that might be encrypted, though maybe the chat messages, but what we are recording, what we're saying when it's not recorded, what is, as you were reading, the mouse clicks, the sharing of the screen, everything else, <clears throat> the divisions of the rooms, the classroom participants of students that are underage and have not consented to this, but because they're forced into being into these classrooms uh, online when we have the pandemic happen. This is uh, what we are not being told that it's being monitored unless you read the fine print. And so I guess what comes up if you just do a quick uh, Google search on Zoom's uh, privacy rules, you'll see right there in the recommendations of the questions, you'll see what's private and what's not. It says clearly there, the end-to-end -end encryption is first on Google to share with anybody. And I'm sure it's just to give the security and the comfort to people to know that there is some level of confidentiality. But it, it, it's, it's, it, most people won't go to this actual site and then read this as I have it opened and I didn't get through. I was listening to a podcast that I can share in the episode notes, a link where there were glitches in the very beginning and how they started Zoom before the whole uh, pandemic in 2020. And then suddenly it upshot, obviously with the use but it went online and how there was these glitches and things that were found out over time. And I was listening to it and they were updating with the, uh, with the rules, the confidentiality rules and the protection of your privacy. And I, I was beginning to understand it. Of course, I had other urgent needs to pretend to, but I didn't get through it. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say by this is it's always these uh, reading between the lines and trying to guess what's not being said by what's being said, if that makes any sense. And I always hate that because no one can be quite upfront and tell you it's just, what you have to infer. Uh, and and so I, I just think if people should 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 go on there. But anyhow, uh, that's as far as I I'm 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 just present to with all of this confusion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well and yeah I mean and I knew and I know that in looking at this, I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't think I'm coming to the point of like, well, I'm not going to use this one. Cause, uh, what was the, what was the other one we tried with workers and students for choice? We, there was another Jitsu or something. What was it just? Jitsi. And that was me. I think I was the one that was like, we should not be doing this on zoom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We stand yeah. for. Um, and we tried Jitsi and it was, it was okay. Um, it was a little harder. There was it was it was more clunky, and we would sometimes more people would have trouble speaking or being heard, and there was more hiccups there. It was also just resistance to like not using the mainstream thing. I think. Um, no, I mean it was actually more cumbersome. I mean, it was there were problems we had when we would have people who who just couldn't like we we there were certain people whose whose audio couldn't be picked up and things like that so we were just running into that issue but i for me i feel like the the takeaway message is is that the revolution will not happen online like it can't like this play this this whole space is legally they've they've built so many legal contain containers that that defend their right to do with it what what they will with with this and there's another part here that basically talks about like the an opening section let's see if i can find that uh 
This is the part, the part Zoom's terms, terms of service, which is different than uh, terms of service is different than privacy agreement. You know, read this agreement carefully as it provides among other things in section 27 that you and Zoom will arbitrate certain claims instead of going to court and that you will not bring class action claims against Zoom. In section 12 and 14, that certain terms and conditions apply with respect to recurring subscription charges and automatic renewals. In section 15, that Zoom may make modifications, deletions, and additions to these terms of services and service descriptions. And in section 24, that you release Zoom from and waive your right to recover from Zoom certain damages. You acknowledge that you will only create an account or otherwise use the services and software if you agree to be legally bound by all terms and conditions herein. You know, like, again, that's just another part. This is part of terms of service where they're pretty much saying, what we say goes, you've already given your rights up to really complain about anything by having pressed agree and on this and having not read it. So that's, it's more just to, for me, I think the reason for me to go into this is not to say which is the better system, which I think is where like people in Wisdom Warriors, they were like, we want to use Signal. We want to use other ways of communicating. And I think the whole thing is, is all bound by this. All these corporations and their connections to the state mean that they're going to be using this legal, obscure language that was made to both bore us and confuse us and to bind us. And, and there's no way around that. And that's why these, these mechanisms, and I I'm, and I'm cherish the, the fact that we can do this with you, Jessica, and Eduardo, the fact that we can't be in the same part of the Bay Area means this is more convenient. But if things pick up and if there's changes really to be made, this will not be the medium by which we communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, that's what, that's what this reinforces for me um, is that this, that they, that I think they it's also worth mentioning, like you don't actually click the box for the update. So it's like, even if you surface level say like, yeah, I agreed to it, you know, and check that little box from there on out, they can just like switch real, whatever rules they want. And all I have to do is just send you this email, which half the time probably goes to your spam anyway. <laughs> oh, they're not even that's not even like a semblance of consent <laughs> right i mean and and in it in that email that first email it's very it doesn't tell you exactly what changes they've made and it doesn't say go here go here go here it doesn't it's just like that it makes some changes in this area make some changes in that area and like go through the 30 pages of the terms of services agreement and see if you can find it you know <laughs> um now the privacy agreement is not as long that's actually you could read through the whole thing um, but it, it's, it is also long enough and confusing enough to, um, make a person go, Oh, what am I, what am I really dealing with here? And not to mention when it's used, like that consent is extra coerced when you're being expected to use it for business meetings in your job, or you're expected to attend class that way. Like, that really drives me nuts. Like in the ed in the education space, is like students have absolutely no idea that they have a right to n opt out of all of these technologies. Like they have a legal right to say no. Like I don't want to do my assignments through Canvas. You have to give me an alternative. But like, mm -hmm. never made aware of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I guess. I, I would like for people to to read. Uh, there is a. I'll also link it. I can't find what I was going to share, but I also would like people to go to the Intercepts article on Zoom meetings aren't end-to-end encrypted, despite being marketing, um, and how they have access to our conversations on its platform, uh, and they did an investigative work there, um, to 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 further. To just further see how much we are being deceived, uh, and to Jess's point about how we have no, we're left with aren't with we're not left to choices basically be, because we're I mean you because of you know the you're just here are the options and that you have to have for work or for school and and I just think about ourselves and I don't know like 
the benefit is there that we're here. But I know you're right, Andy, it's not going to revolution when that happened online. Uh, I guess what I'm struggling to say is I don't also deny how much it has connected us when we needed it. When, you know, like for family and also lowered. The, this is a little bit, I don't know, how, how do I say this? For like, when I remember as a kid, we had to buy a little card at, at the at the Latin American shop. And then we had to dial in a number and then pay. And we were waiting on the phone to call back home. And we had to count our minutes to talk to loved ones. And this was our limited time to to have this much time with your loved ones, you know. And if you didn't have, and you had people collected these cards, and that's how people made, um, I'm sure, money to the phone companies. But, and these businesses. Uh, and even with all of the... Uh, <clears throat> like money sending that we send back, uh, uh, like uh, Western Union uh, sending money uh, through a transfer, a wire transfer, and then being charged for it. And so that's how we had to make sure that in order for our fees not to accumulate, everybody, we had to send one full uh, check and, and everybody had to divide that in, in back home. Uh, then suddenly you have apps such as Zelle and Venmo and other ones. And then now you have Zoom and Skype. So I think it was Skype first. And, and now you have video conferencing via Facebook and Instagram. And every, almost every phone now has some form of in, uh, built-in uh, phone call uh, video phone calling and how so has connected within my deaf community. Uh, I know my deaf friends have always said that I wish I could just sign to my, to my fellow friendships or their loved ones because English isn't their best uh, strength when they're communicating because ASL is such a visual language. And so as I'm trying to share this, the world of, what it's been like in my community, whether in Latin America or my deaf community. Uh, it's it's the reason why I think mm, that people that people people see this as a service, as a benefit in our society and don't question much of it. And I don't know how to to make peace or how to this is my struggle, right? I'm just sharing this rawly. How to be in criticism of what it's doing to us as a, as a, as a, as a society, and also what the benefit has also been. And, and here's the question I asked you. I think once before, Andy, like if you did see a benefit that where you could use something to. I mean, I don't know if I want to say this because of Brandy, but remember I asked you uh, where you might think that this is going to benefit Brandy or yourself for like a vaccine or something. Do you remember, I, do you remember this conversation, Andy? Or not? not sure. Okay. Well, I said to you, if you thought the technology and the science that we, oh. uh, you, that the benefits of science and technology could be used in order for us to save lives or can bring, uh, the, there can be benefits of it. Could are we willing to then let go of those benefits, given that they are they have some use? I guess that's what I'm discussing right now. Is it's the impact and the struggle, the internal struggle of these things that have also been been that they've been useful as a utility for us. I know you asked question. me the question, but mm -hmm. maybe Jessica, I'd be curious what you, how you would respond. Cause I, you know, I haven't heard from you on this. Maybe if you understand the question he's asking. I think so. I mean, like, are we willing to sacrifice like potential or actual benefits? 
Yeah, it, I guess, yeah, so the question, so I had asked, one time we were discussing COVID, and I said, you know, Andy, you know, what if, you know, given Brandy's health, like, I'm concerned that being an, like, being an anti-vaxxer, if you just say, oh, we're going to have to just go back, but what about people who might, I'm because at that time I wasn't sure, because Brandy and I were on the fence about things, and I know I was more about for others and Brandy was more about herself. I wasn't concerned so much about my health because I knew that. But at that time I was telling Andy, you know, I just feel, you know, we're asking for the reopening of many things. But what if this is actually a scary thing? I'm not, maybe COVID isn't, but there, what if there's a virus that comes along or something such stronger than this that is killing off people, like not at 2%, but at a high percentage and people are recovering. What if this is actually a health risk? Are you still willing to say, I asked him at that time, are you still willing to say, oh, we need to all go back. We need to just go back. And you said at that time, yeah. And I and I said, I'm not sure how I'd feel about it. I don't think, I think COVID's not a danger as people are putting it. So I say, yes, going back to reopening. But what if this was something bigger than this, bigger than this small, this just this flu, you know? and. And that, that was interesting to me. And I think I also questioned it. And I also put this up for a conversation when we were discussing going back to Mission High School, Andy, similarly. And uh, so anyhow, as I'm discussing all of this, I'm, I'm thinking not, I'm thinking about the benefits that I have received in my communities such as the deaf community and also my Latin American community, where I have seen just immigrants in general, because anybody could really, anyone being far away, really, you know, like if you were to, to, you know, I'm sure, I'm not sure you just how your communication was with your um, grandma in, in the UK, but the fact that you are living so far away and there is a content connection there because of technology that you're able to make just some quick call, or I'm sure it was very expensive to make those calls. How, do we contend with this? Are we willing to say, let's give it all up and then not have this, not enjoy or not make use of the advances of tech and science? That's what I'm calling to a question. I think my answer is yes, we should give it all up. Um, Well, I mean, at least on, in the Zoom discussion, I think we should remain open-minded, you know, like, you know, with the sort of hypothetical, um, whatever, 40% mortality, you know, something crazy is happening. Um, but I guess my, like coming back to, I think the example of like the deaf community and zoom, because it is a visual platform or it can be used as a visual platform is an interesting one. Um, I hear you that like, on the one hand, there are benefits maybe this is not a fair comparison, but like, you know, there's, there's short-term benefits to deforestation, right? Like for certain people, right. Um, or to like developing quote unquote underdeveloped countries, right. Like bringing money into their economies and that can improve, um, things like poverty. So I don't know, maybe those are not fair comparisons, but I guess my question would also be like, while on the surface level, it looks like a community such as the deaf community might be benefiting. I am not convinced that in actual fact, corporations like Zoom aren't sort of weaponizing, you know, quote unquote, you know, like non-normative, whatever, um, you know, aren't essentially weaponizing the narrative in order to prey, especially on those people. Um, I mean, not just the deaf community, but like, I don't know. I I mean, even with, um, oh, like for instance, testing, I remember this was a topic of conversation, like during the lockdowns with Zoom with their Uh, I think it's called like their attention tracker feature. Maybe that was on the, the, on the terms of service in that long list of, you know, different like mouse clicks and this and that, 
Um, but I remember like, for instance, it was being used for certain like testing settings where um, to make sure people weren't cheating uh, and then certain businesses and stuff in the workforce were using it to make sure that their workers were actually um, like sitting in the meeting and not like you, you, it would, if you had the attention tracker on, it could tell if you would click out of zoom and be like, you know, doing your emails or whatever, or on Facebook while the meeting's going on. Um, and like the host of the meeting would get that data. And so they would be able to see, like, say you guys were working for me, I'd be able to see, oh, Andy clicked away from the screen or whatever. Um, and then they were using, I think they were using it like for the bar, I want to say, like, just as an example, that type of testing setting where you have like this extreme surveillance, like, I mean, obviously almost all testing, like, um, you know, um, institutionalized testing centers like surveil you like we used to have a proctor like sit there during the SATs right as you're filling out your scantron or whatever but that level of like technological surveillance of like you're literally like you move your hand a certain way on the mouse pad they're gonna see that disproportionately affects uh people of color women I'm sure people with disability like so I guess I mean there's so many angles you could come out at it but I guess my question would be like are we really going deep enough? Like, is this, are these benefits really benefits? And then, you know, I mean, there's so many like things that have short term or even long term, like depending on how you're looking at it, a human lifespan, like benefits. Sure. Yeah. I like to talk to my grand on FaceTime, but I don't know. I mean, I just, it's really hard too to have this conversation, like in the context of corporations where like zoom, it's not just like a random type of technology. Like, okay, like this fork is technically technology, right? Like, but it's not, it's not a corporation that's specifically like weaponizing this stuff and trying to get money through a product. So it's really hard for me to like, I mean, yeah, if we tore the whole system down, like maybe there's a scenario in which quote unquote technology, like the very broad umbrella term, like can be used like for good, but I just under capitalism and under the state and under like the current reality that we're in, there is absolutely no way in which I could see something like Zoom not being coercive, not being weaponized, not being predatory. Like no matter how many sort of little benefits it might seem to give or actual benefits it might seem to give. Like I think maybe to answer that question, like you know, the, the sort of corporate state has to be destroyed in order to sort of see like, okay, like could, I don't know. I mean, the, the Amish use plows, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I always struggle with like where to draw the line of like what counts as like tech on a fundamental level. Yeah. I, I don't call these benefits. This is what they're doing is not connecting us. What they're doing is collecting collecting on us um they've already destroyed communities i mean i, I if I, in many ways Eduardo, i would use the example of what why there is people immigrating across state into the united states is because the united states okay so the analogy i'm going to use is also true for internally when we talk about gentrification but i'm going to use the analogy of immigrant rights or the, the plight of immigrants immigrants who are fleeing their country and their families and their communities are doing so because they've been actively destroyed by corporations and the West. And, and, and so they, in, in order to try to survive, they've had to disconnect. So to stay connected, we, they, they are given the benefit of, a, of potentially if they get a job and they can get a computer and they get an internet, oh, you can be connected with your loved one through this channel. But it's like a war again. What, what our opponent has done is they've taken us out of the, our territory of safety and of organizing and of, and of a place where we could actually fight them. And they've brought us into their territory. It's, it's, it's what any good army in general does to its opponent. You funnel them into the area where they are weakest and you attack them there. And that's what they've done here. This, in, in this so-called benefit is, what we, is, is the leftovers of communication after societies have been alienated and destroyed and communities broken up. 
that by and large describes the process we are in here. Um, and I do want to go to this because like, they're not just selling data. Like, um, let me talk, do this part here. Let me share my screen. And I, it was a very interesting opening to, um, to their Zoom privacy statement. And I was like, that's an, there's a lot of words here. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Let me get rid of this. So in the very first line, uh, let me expand it. Uh, did that work? That did not work. Oh, let's see. Hold on. There we go. It says, this privacy statement describes the personal data we collect and or process. And here's what they mean by process, which may include collecting, organizing, structuring, storing, using, or disclosing. This part, the only part here that is about selling is here, disclosing. The most of what they're doing is collecting, organizing, structuring, storing, using. Um, and I'll say something about the disclosing later. I mean, it's very interesting what they mean by disclose. But this, what they mean by organizing and structuring is we are learning about you by your actions. We are learning to mimic you. We are learning what, what, who you are and what you are. And we're going to use that. Now they're going to use it to develop AI. They're going to use it to control us. They're going to use it to monitor us. They're going to use it to surveil us. That's what the organizing, structuring, all that, all those words that we're not disclosing. Like, why would you have to organize and structure my mouse clicks? Why would you have to organize and structure when I got a mute and, and who, I, who I sent the text to and, and what I sent in that text? Why do you have to do that? Uh, why, why is it not just it, a, a, a format for just allowing it to happen, literally a, a super highway of it doing? Why do you have to get involved in any of that in the first place? And that's all about building their AI society, their AI world, to, to, to take everyone's jobs. So this is a trap. There's nothing about it that is attempting to connect us. It's attempting to isolate us. It, it actually continue, it'll, it'll, it'll grow our isolation. It, it, it acts as a bit of a morphine to make you not so lonely because you can connect through this way with families that you've been ripped from. But ultimately, this is a this is a tool of death. This is a tool of control, and there's no benefit, zero, because it's it's built by by a by an by a agency that that provided this on the basis of its of its past destruction. So there's nothing here for us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I appreciate first Jess's distinction. I mean, it's clear, obviously, that the, the distinction between what is a, a, something that is useful versus something that is being used by, obviously, a, a force that is going to be trying to extract the 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 the, the benefits for themselves out of this. So, like in this case, that or whatever, and. Uh, you know, I'm reminded, Andy, what you and what you're saying as we're discussing this. There was, and I'll share this also in the link. I just remembered uh, there was this documentary on Vice about Thakopas. I don't know if any of you, yeah, or well, if you watched it, and and I I saw towards the end, towards the end of that uh, document, and there weren't, you know, Thakopas isn't really covered by a lot of even alternative news. And I was surprised I had seen it as we were preparing for our discussion with Max Wilbur. And uh, what's Will, I think it is, Jess, Will Falk, 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 Falk. Well, he, he had mentioned about, because the question was posed to Will about, well, what do you say to this alternative green energy that we need to be doing for the benefit of this, what we need to start doing um, in order for us to transition to a more healthier planet and clean energy, you know, and that's why we need DTM. I mean, you can't, uh, this is actually not, you know, we're, okay, so we don't do uh, fossil fuels. We still have to do something for clean energy. You have to build them out of this stuff that we have to mine for. And I think, and I hope I don't misquote, but we'll say something along the lines, you know, we just don't use cars. We just don't, we just don't, you know, we stop using this stuff, whatever, you know, whether it be this, 
device or, or the vehicles or whatever. It, it just, we don't. And then the interviewee, the interviewer went and asked someone else who is pro, but is also an environmentalist, is pro person for this mining. And, and he said, you're just not going to stop people from using cars. And so I just don't see it any other way, but to have to mine like a It's not like I want to, but there is no other way. You're just going to have to, because people aren't going to stop using. And so it's this, uh, this is it, this just this difference of thought. And I feel the conversation that we're having now is that camp that you're discussing, the, the wolf, wolf conversation about we're just going to have to make do without it. And, uh, because otherwise this stuff, as, as we have discussed with AI, and it's now in heat, heated debates about this, it's like this stuff is just going to do away with us. You know? um, I don't know if, so that's what came to mind for me. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that's what I thought about. Yeah, I'm just kind of circling back in my mind to, I forget how you put it, Andy, like at the very beginning, but just like, I feel like oftentimes the response when these types of critiques come up is like, well, like that's just not the world we live in. Like you like, sorry, but like we live in a world where like all our data is being stolen and like, sorry, but like, that's just, that's just the world we live in. Like, you know, and it's just so frustrating because that is the world we live in. But the whole point of the critique is to say, let's change that. So to me, it's just such a stupid like way that the conversation gets shut down again and again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a cop out. Yeah. And the world we live in is going to be a world in which we aren't able to live like that. You know, again, I'm now going to add AI complete destruction of humanity as on par with nuclear war, but the the forces that are in control and that are saying there is no alternative are going, are in my opinion, are going to head to that impasse, impasse in their own system, in my opinion, but that when they come to an impasse in their own system, if we don't have an answer, an alternative, then they, then the whole, I do believe the thing goes down. Like it, it gets destroyed by a, a set of rulers who have no idea what what they've let loose on society in, in this capitalist system of theirs. Um, and like, like I said before, I was more worried about nuclear war and now I'm going to put on par AI kind of like overtaking of humanity or certainly of, of workers, um, us being replaced. Now, what kind of response would be come out of that? I just, it, it doesn't end well for us if we don't, if we can't imagine an alternative without cars and internet and things like that. I was thinking too, like coming off of last week's episode with Max, like the other thing that always gets overlooked in conversations about online anything is that the cloud is not like this invisible like thing that's not like tangible. Like Zoom has, I think when I was researching it in 2020, I want to say like maybe 17 or 18 or 19 massive data centers around the world it's probably more now um so that those have like tangible ecological effects um so this idea that it's just like oh it's invisible and it's you know oh like it's so great and climate friendly that we can do all our conferences and schooling and business work and friendships and family relationships online and just like yeah, the benefits, it's it's green. Like there's that aspect of the lie as well. Like they're going to fucking build out the, I mean, Microsoft I think already has like underwater data centers, like literally trying to hide it under the ocean. Um, and like pretty successfully. I don't think a lot of people know about it or talk about it that like you have to have data centers to like keep all this data that they're talking about in the privacy statement. Maybe I'll just add one other screen share thing that I saw that I thought was interesting from the document from the Doom, Zoom document, and which is about the disclosing of the data um, uh, part. Let me share this. 
Um, so yeah, here's this word disclosing. So if you look, and this is literally the opening part of the Zoom privacy statement that I clicked on, and it says last updated April 10th, 2023. And then I go, it says California. Well, here's one interesting thing. First off, they go, Zoom products and services covered in this privacy statement do not include products or services developed by Zoom that are covered under a separate privacy privacy policy. Included those listed here. I'm going to take us here because watch what happened. I got very confused. So you click on here. And then it takes you to this thing, Zoom events privacy statement. Then you go here and you click on this and you're in a whole new June 18th, 2021. What the statement covers, what personal data we do. We like, are they talking about another? So there's like another document of what we can, how they process data or what your privacy rights are within the other privacy thing. And this is under listed under what's called Zoom events. It was just like, this just shows me how twisted this world is. Twi not twisted like bad, or oh, it is bad, but just so confusing. So then I, I saw, oh, California residents, please see our California privacy notice at collection and California and other U.S. state privacy rights. So I clicked on that. And I was like, okay, that just takes you down to here. Um, and so I'll click on this here. And it just takes you down to this part. And so I read through this and I was just like, okay, it just seemed like basically it was like California is saying they have to disclose some things that they would otherwise wouldn't disclose. I think the most interesting thing I read from this California part was on this on when the opt out of sale of personal data or sharing of personal data uh, for targeted advertising purposes. So they're saying maybe, maybe we can opt out. And then this is how Zoom conceives of their, their little game they're playing. Um, and they go, we do not sell your personal data in the conventional sense. However, like many companies, we may use advertising and analytic services that are intended to analyze your interactions with our website or app based on information obtained from cookies or other trackers, including for delivering advertising to you, such as interest-based targeted or cross-context behavioral advertising. You can get more information and opt out of the use of cookies and other trackers on your website and app by clicking do not sell my personal information link um, also on your homepage. We will... We will need to set your preference. You will need to set your preferences from each device. Uh, you know, Zoom does not actually have knowledge that it sells or shares the personal information of consumers under age of under 16 years of age. I don't know how they know that, but that's just something they said. So it, it's just, it's just world with, worlds within worlds. Um, and it's this confusing mess that you know you're being tricked. You know the magician is doing this. And yet, it just happens, um, and it and it and it's built into the medium. And this and this is what this medium this medium was designed to do for all those things that they're putting in 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 this in this document to do those things, so they can make money off of doing those things, and so they can make machines that will make them more money because the machines will replace labor, and the machines and, and for capitalists that's always cheaper, even that even though it actually ends up cutting into the profit rate in the long run, but. So that was just interesting for me to read. Yeah, and it's like it's I was talking about this with colleagues last week with regard to um what's the plagiarism corporation where you can um IGP, uh, G, no, chat. Not, not chat GPT, but the it's not AI, it's um it's a site where you can put in a student's paper and it will compare it to a database of like hundreds of thousands of papers that are on there. Oh, oh, oh. Compare I don't it know. Yeah. and tell you if they copied. Um, anyway, just with all of this, with Zoom as well, like it's your data. In some cases, your labor, like if it's me filming a Zoom class for my job. So it's, it's like another level of like capitalistic fuckery because they literally take your labor sell it as their product because it is paid like you have to pay for if you want you know whatever to do a beyond the free thing that they do um or your institution or employer pays for it they sell it back to you and then they also you know slip it to all of these like third parties under the premise of like whatever third party agreements or like improving their 
product for you. And so then you can be targeted and you can have that same data sold back to you in all these other ways. I can go on Facebook and see like, oh, look, like I was just, you know, just talking about how I'd like a new whatever dress and here, here, right? It's just like, God, and it's that's true. It all yeah. comes back to your thing. Like they don't even have anything to offer. I mean, okay, like they have the like Zoom. Like what is Zoom? It's it's not really anything. Like people call it a tool, but like what makes it profitable for them and thus makes them able to offer it to you is them stealing your shit, right? Um, but even worse than stealing because you pay to have them steal it. It's just wild. It's just wild. And then the other thing I was just looking back, um, I just pulled up like notes from that talk that I was mentioning. I gave like a couple of years ago, but just, you know, even if we have a really, uh, blindly generous, like view of like, okay, well I like the product. I I'm willing to consent so that I can whatever zoom with my grand who lives on the other side of the world. Even if you like the product, like it's so, I don't know. It's so naive to kind of look at it in that capitalistic, like I need this, you're going to sell me this because they're always working in tandem with all these other corporations. And I was just like thinking back to the whole start of COVID and the lockdowns. And I was remembering this was just a, a little note I had made to myself um, in that talk about the Global Education Coalition. So this was like an education sphere. It was launched in March of 2020. It's literally like a week or two after the you know pandemic was declared by UNESCO. It was a coalition of corporations, international and regional organizations and institutions, nonprofits, NGOs, media, academia, global networks, launched with 90 public and private partners and it was built on the premise that virtual learning would be long-term founding partners included world bank facebook microsoft google bbc global business coalition uh zoom wow. <laughs> vodafone ibm mckinsey sesame street siemens <laughs> verizon it was like i think it was like I don't know how many it got up to, like, I think several hundred, but they started with like 90. Um, So it's like, even if you have specific feelings or you feel you receive certain benefits from a specific one of those companies, when you pan back and you look at like the private sector as a whole and the way that they are shaping life on this planet, like, I just, I don't understand how anybody could endorse this technology. Well, if Oscar from Sesame Street is fine with it, I, I'm fine with it. What's <laughs> up? Like Sesame Street. Oh. They fucking they got to Sesame Street, man. Who? Oh yeah, they did all that Provax stuff. <laughs> yes, but I also want to note, and folks, we're gonna call call my shot here. If this episode is um censored, it's because Jessica said pandemic. Vaccine insert. <laughs> no, you said pandemic. And I'll we'll so we'll just see if a word like pandemic survives the uh, the thing. I said it fast. Hopefully the robots didn't. Well, I I put it here slow just to make sure what got hurt. Uh oh, oh Andy, this is like <laughs> oh my goodness. This will help. This is this is us interrogating the YouTube AI. We'll see. I was um and maybe I don't know if both of you would want me to include this, but you know there was a all this has been again. In, through research through investigative work through the intercept and they put out a statement i'm not sure if i should just so that we can see what they would say in response to even the criticisms we're making which is very similar to what they're saying on the intercept and they say zoom zoom takes its users privacy extremely seriously zoom only collects data from individuals using the zoom platform as needed to provide the service and ensure it is delivered as effectively as possible Zoom must collect basic technical information like you, this is their excuse, like user's IP ad address and uh, OS details and device details in order for their service to function properly. Zoom has layered safeguards in place to protect our users' privacy, which includes preventing anyone, including Zoom employees, from directly accessing any data that is that users share during meetings, including, but not limited to, 
the video, audio, and chat content of those meetings. Importantly, Zoom does not mine user data or sell user data of any kind to anyone. This is the response. And of course, you you read what they do do with that data, even though they don't mine it and sell it, they will use it for, well, whatever they can, analytic, the analytics of what they use it for so that they can try to uh, see what matches our interests, but they don't sell it. <laughs> There's just a lot of mining going on. Lithium mining for more data mining. <laughs> Oh, you know, one other thing that I had flagged, oh, let's see if I can find it, was the the line, I think it's in the privacy statement about uh, like criminal activity and how they have to comply, right? Like with the legal system, obviously. Um, okay, yeah. I, so they can share your data or they can process your personal data on a legal basis as necessary to comply with Zoom's legal obligations. Um, this includes detecting, investigating, preventing, and stopping fraudulent, harmful, unauthorized, or illegal activity, fraud and abuse detection, and compliance with privacy laws. Really interesting. Like, it doesn't just say illegal. It says fraudulent, harmful, unauthorized, or yeah. illegal. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I was also thinking about the next line. Um which talks about like public safety, including child sexual abuse material, like, and just that whole, I mean, I'm sure there's so many examples of like porn being recorded or even not recorded, right? Cause they still would have the data and like, are you telling me that they're like protecting all of the children? I, I, yeah, I don't think so. But then also I don't know. I mean, I always come back to like Julian Assange is, you know, the most sort of mm -hmm. like high level precedent of like, well, if they were, if they were um, detecting or investigating or trying to prevent some, something that was deemed domestic terrorism, like what would be to stop them uh, investigating that through looking at all our workers and students for Joyce meetings, right? Um, yeah, so obviously nothing on the internet is like 100% private, but it's really not. Right. Really, like I just hope people are not doing certain types of organizing on these platforms. Uh, you know what I what I, I would have loved to, for us to have delved into was their statement on, um, just because I didn't get a chance to, but as I'm seeing here, when you mentioned uh, minors, here I'm seeing children. Zoom does not allow children under the age of 16 to sign up for a Zoom account. But Except kids do. School. Yeah. School policy. Right. And uh, so I pulled it out. I have to see it further. Well, I'm not sure if I can. And all our fucking fellow teachers forced kids through this hole, through this portal. When we closed down the schools and said we were going to, we're all going to be safer by being here. Zoom said, oh, hey, we, we shouldn't be doing this with 16-year-olds. But teachers all said, oh, yeah, we should. Get them all into their houses and force them to go through the Zoom portal. Like, it's ridiculous. And by the way, the vast majority of sexual abuse, I, this was a British study that I remember reading, occurs within the family. So when you just force families and put them under pressure and keep them in the same place, I don't think things got better for kids in terms of sexual outcomes. In fact, I think they got a lot worse. They did. Yeah. There's data to back that up. Yeah. Yeah. Stick went up. All kinds of stuff went up. Um, one last thing I, I wanted to share that was just strange to me. And I, I mean, um, but I think we've talked about mostly important things. I'll just share this one. I, somebody makes sense of this one for me. Um, this was in device information that they said that they reserve the right to. Uh, to get uh, this is under the what personal data do we receive so this is some personal data they receive information about the computers phones and other devices used when interacting with zoom products and services which may include information about the speakers microphone camera os version hard disk id pc name mac address ip address 
which may be used oh to infer goodness. general location at a city or country level. <gasps> Device attributes like operating system version and battery level. That one, like, why do they got to know your battery level? Wi-Fi information and other device information like Bluetooth signals. I'm like, damn, what don't they know? <laughs> oh my goodness! Canopticon, literally. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so uh, it's like, oh lord. Um, oh my goodness! Know, it's like that dude in the uh, in, in Star Wars. It's a trap. I guess I'll have to uh, do the D, D or this install. Just uh, the install. D and this or uninstall. D? <laughs> yeah, uninstall. uninstall. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of guy. Sorry, I was thinking. Uh, uninstall. I have to now uninstall and install an app that I have. This is like, oh, how many apps do I have to uninstall and in, in, back install? I do that. All of them. Eventually, all of them. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. I so. think, too, like at this, I don't know what you were saying earlier, too, about. Um, like people with disabilities and different learning styles and stuff. Eduardo, like I was thinking, man, I need to go back and like brush up on the stuff I was reading from Allison back in like 2020 and 2021. Cause I feel like she had a really robust and clear explanation of like the way that those particular populations are preyed upon and, and will That's be preyed upon in like crazy extreme ways. Like if we think this is bad, it's going to get so much worse if we continue down this root um just in terms of like all of the online um internet of things and and all that stuff and the way that like those are the people who are going to suffer the most um yeah yeah i just wrote alice mcdowell right now for me to look up some other things but um yeah i i I'm, I'm, it's like the whole, uh, what was it? The, the basic income as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, UBI. Yeah. yeah. So the universal basic income. So I, I imagine it's the same thing, you know? It's yep. the targeting of these communities that are in the name of doing wealth good for them. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I don't have much to say, Andy. That's it. Have people at home, make sure you read through that whole Zoom agreement. It's great if you want to try to get to sleep. And if you're having trouble sleeping, just... No, it's not because it's got blue light unless you're reading it on your Kindle. <laughs> okay, print it out. Print it out and just start reading it. You know, print it out on your printer and you'll have you'll, you'll go to sleep. And it, it, I found myself... Have, it, it was putting me to bed early. This makes me mad. This makes me angry. That's yeah, bad. <laughs> My it's cortisol bad. spiking. I'm like, ah, it's so dense and ill. Like, just it's like a interesting rhetorical exercise trying to read it because it's like reading something that's purposely illegible. <laughs> you know what? We should go over since we're doing stuff like this. Is we should go over Klaus Schwab's book on the Great Reset. Oh, I have, I, I have that one. I only brought it. Yeah. <laughs> There's an audio version, so I think I'll, I won't bore myself with it. I think oh, I'll just God, is it him reading it? I don't know. <laughs> There's oh, not. <laughs> no, they have they have Doctor Evil reading it. You probably just have him as like a hologram, like just there reciting it in your living room. <laughs> All right. Well, thank okay. you for indulging me. I, I do think there was it was it was interesting. It led us to some interesting places. It was. It was, and I and uh. I get uncomfortable with with that's why I posed the question that I did, Andy, for because I wanted to bring up the struggle yeah. that I'm present to in my self. I thought it's only it's it's only good to be authentic about what's there because I don't think I felt just comfortable criticizing it without also posing yep. the hard question of like, well, you know, what what it has done also for myself and what it challenges me to think about yep. yep no i appreciated you opening that door so it was good to talk about yeah and i didn't know that you had notes from a previous conversation about this just <laughs> yes yeah i oh. tried i tried to preach the gospel to my colleagues and they, said, can't be doing this? And they were all like yeah <laughs> 
And then nothing. And then I never Hey. It was a good presentation. I worked hard on that presentation. I think you've got you got used to getting ignored a long time ago. Yeah. From like (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) All right. Well that does it for this week's episode. What's left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where you found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything I've heard here, please subscribe, rate, view, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, obviously YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And of course, we may not be on YouTube for some time again. If Jess is uh, very... Uh, red word gets <laughs> <laughs> gets us on YouTube, so you can always find our blog in any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode. And if you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barco, co-host, co-host Jessica and Andy Lipson, and we'll check you all next time. Thank you all for listening. Ciao. <laughs>